Welcome to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. This is a podcast where we talk all things culture, leadership and teamwork across business and sport. To all our loyal listeners, the Culture of Things podcast will now have specific episodes produced for YouTube. To ensure you don't miss out on this exclusive YouTube content, head over to YouTube, click on the subscribe button, and hit the notification bell. Now, let's get into the episode. Do you believe you have greatness within you? My next guest does, and he's doing everything he can to nurture and grow this greatness so he can have a big impact and make a difference. Danielle Diallo is a young man enjoying the journey of life. He's an emerging leader. I was drawn to interview him by his youthful energy, his initiative, and his self-confidence. I saw a young man who is absolutely determined to grow the greatness within himself. He started a business when he was 16, developed his public speaking skills to become a platinum speaker. He's done a TEDx presentation titled Breaking the Stereotypes. Been a youth leader and mentor for African youth, and has now moved from Melbourne to Canberra to take up an opportunity to work within a government sector. Early in the interview, Danielle talks about an accident as a three-year-old that left him with a permanent limp. He shares how his limp led to bullying at school and his regrets with how he dealt with the bullying. Danielle is aiming to master the art of public speaking. It's amazing to hear his confidence as he talks about tackling one of the most difficult parts head-on. Mentors are a key part of Danielle's emergence as a leader. He shares how they help him, along with the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people. He also shared his key lesson from an interview he did with William Harvey, a Holocaust survivor. We spoke about his TEDx talk and why breaking down the multicultural stereotypes is so important. Late in the interview, we even ventured into Danielle's faith and how this is a big part of who he is and what he stands for. Danielle Diallo is an inspiring young man. Remember the name. I've got a feeling we'll be hearing it linked to great things into the future. Once again, make sure you stick around to the end and see if my three key takeaways were the same as yours. If you're watching on YouTube, put your takeaways in the comments. I hope you enjoy the interview. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Culture of Things podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Rogers, and this is episode 76. Today, I get to speak with a young chap called Daniel Diallo. Daniel, how are you, buddy? Good, good. How are you, Brendan? Very well, mate. Fantastic to have you on the show. We're going to dive straight in. We're uh, with, There's a little bit of time pressure on us, but mate, tell us a little bit about Daniel Diallo at the moment, just so the audience get, get some context. At the moment, Daniel is 19, living in Canberra. By the way, it's so cold here. When I came here from Melbourne, people were like, Canberra, just you wait, Canberra. It's pretty cold. And I was like, come on, I haven't seen it around. So stop exaggerating. And now I'm starting to really experience it. I'm like, you were right. I was wrong. Uh, I it gets listened. bloody cold. Yeah. But aside from that, I have a few projects in the community at the moment happening. And yeah, we'll, we'll dive into those. Absolutely, mate. So I did know through the research you'd move from Melbourne, that you're in Pakenham, and to Canberra. Happened about seven months ago. What was the impetus for your move to Canberra? What was it? It was, for me, it was really a new challenge, right? I I don't really like to stay stagnant in one place for too long, not because of uh, like, you know, things that I don't think I can do it, but it's more 
I want to challenge myself. I feel that, you know, if I'm not growing, I am slowly declining. And if I'm not experiencing new things, meeting new people, I'm not learning new things. So the move to Canberra was prompted by that. But now I work in the Department of Health and it's a great, great place to be. Where do you think that adventurous side of you, you know, trying new things, loving new challenges, you know, it's quite an adventurous approach. Where do you think that started for you? I wasn't always like this. Um, I, at three years old, I was in Sudan. So my family and I were in Sudan, not just me. And I was playing around with my cousin and she said, you know, hey, Danielle, here's a, a building and there were builders building the building. And she said, hey, let's, let's go climb that building and let's, let's see who can get up the top first. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I got this. And we climbed up there and she came second, of course. Um, <laughs> but she came second and she pushed me off the building. And I fell onto my right side, fell into a coma, um, picked up by the locals because my parents at the time weren't there. And minutes later on, I was taken to the hospital and the doctor said, hey, it's good that he didn't land on his neck, but he's not going to walk again. And that's the, the trigger for me, I guess, that, you know, adventure sometimes stinks. <laughs> but going in through that process as well, my family at the time didn't have money, so to speak. And over there, the system is different. The system over there is more, give me the money and then I'll see what I can do. That's what the doctors say. And if you don't have the money, then they, they don't talk to you. But good thing my family got together. Um, and collected the money to really give to the doctor to fix, try to fix my my leg. But they didn't do it so much so that, you know, it was good to what it was before, as I live with a limp now. And that moment where from three onwards, it was a, I would say from three on to 14, it was very much defensive Danielle mode, right? Hey, going to school, people saying, hey, limpy, could you imagine that? Hey, limpy, hey, walk properly. What do you mean walk properly? I can't change it. You know, it's not like they were, they had a problem with my hair, you know, because I could have snipped this bad boy easy, <laughs> right, to conform, to get, um, to be part of the crowd. But it was something I couldn't change. And when that happens to you, it's like you're being put, you're a square being pushed into a round hole. And you can't fit in. You can't fit in because you're not like everybody else. You're not. You're simply not. But you're being yelled at to be, you know? How do you cope with – I mean, that's, that's bullying, out-and-out out bullying, and unfortunately that's a big problem in, in society generally. We've heard all sorts of horrendous stories. What did you do to cope through that? What sort of coping mechanisms did you have in place or learn to have in place? Well, <laughs> I'm being honest with you. The coping mechanism that I used is the easiest one, and it came natural is to just distance yourself from everybody and everything. Don't talk to them. Don't talk to anybody. Hey, are you okay? Don't talk to me. Hey, you know, if they bully you, don't talk to them. If they don't, don't talk to them. It's like a wall you put to protect yourself. And the problem with that wall is, of course, you can't break it down and you can't get help from people. And so this was a point that I was stagnant in in a while. And I, the way I broke through that is learning slowly but surely to let people in, let people in slowly, let people in 
slowly and gradually, I have a crowd that I can really count on and they count on me. And so the relationship goes back two ways. What was the catalyst for breaking down that wall? I didn't want to stay like this, but it was only almost like a subconscious flinch my body was doing, right? To, to really stop me from getting hurt. I have to stay away from people, but I wanted to get closer to people. You know, so it was like a, I can't have it two ways. The catalyst was just speaking to myself, you know, hey, I know this happened. I know it did. And it's not okay. I know it's not. But we have to move in a certain direction. And we, we have to really move forward in this way so that we can see better things. We can experience better things. Because being alone is good as well, right? Being alone is good. But being alone for too long and being lonely is not. And it's not okay. In some of the stuff I've watched, you know, you put yourself out there and, and I want to explain actually just to you, because I haven't explained to you and I think our listeners would be really interested, like why have I brought you onto the podcast? Because you're probably not the normal guest that we'd have. A lot of guests that we have are very, very experienced. And I say this respectfully, but they're very, very experienced in the space they're in. You're a young lad. You said you're 19 years of old, but you know, you were a school captain of your school and you've done all sorts of things. You're sort of dabbling around with stuff. But what I saw in you when you approached us was that there's this something about you that there is no excuses. You're giving things a try. You're trying to find this path and, and you're on a certain path now, which is very different to maybe the last few years for you. That's why I sort of felt inclined to to really have you on. You, know, you had that energy about you and and it was it was youthfulness energy, but just no excuses, not scared of anything and putting yourself out there. I'm interested to understand like where that trigger came from. I, I get the story you've just shared. I've heard that and, you know, breaking down the wall was the term, but you said something in some stuff that I watched around you and it was growing the greatness within. What was that point where, because you come from a dark place where you're being bullied and teased and all that sort of horrendous stuff and then to grow the greatness within, like that switch doesn't just flick, something flicks it. No. Now, I, before I answer that, I'll tell you a story. Let's say I tell you right now, I'm not going to make lasagna today. What do you I love think? lasagna, mate. I'm very sad to hear yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm not going to make it today. So what would you do? You know that already I'm not going to make it. So I won't go read the recipe for it. I won't go ask for help to get lasagna, to make lasagna. I won't get the, the equipment to make lasagna right? Because I've already told myself I'm not going to make it. You know, some of us have already told ourselves that we're not fit for greatness. Therefore, we don't look out for books that will advance us. We don't ask for mentors. We don't look for mentors. We don't meet people at all because we've already convinced ourselves, switched off completely that, you know, that is not for us. And I met, I looked into this guy named, I don't know if you know him, Earl Nightingale. And he I said, I don't know him, but I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that was very, very, that stuck with me. He said, you become what you think about. Now look at this from the perspective of the place where I came from. You become what, what you think about. What do you mean I become what I think about? I mean, I'm, I'm really have defensive walls right now. Do you, you think I want to be here? And I just kept listening to it because, you know, sometimes the hardest things to hear are the things that we need to hear the most. 
yes, I was being bullied and I was in a dark place. Yes, that there was things I was being bullied that I couldn't change about myself. But I did have that little bit of control still, didn't I? But I was choosing not to act on it because I was focusing externally and not internally. And once I switched that around and focused really internally, like, okay, Danielle, yes, you, this is happening. But where do you actually want to go? Where do you want to be in five, 10 years? Do you still want to be where you are right now? No. And so keep listening to it. And so, you know what? I started saying, you know what? Maybe I do want to make lasagna. Maybe, or you know what? I will get the ingredients. I will read the books. I will talk to the necessary people. And gradually it happens like that. You know, nothing happens overnight. But if you make the necessary moves, the necessary steps, take the necessary precautions and routes, and just, you know, I said this before as well, birds of a feather flock together. Meet people that want to go where you want to go. Meet people, be around people that really want to inspire you and that, you know, want to look out for your well-being because people that are, will really drive your motivation forward. It, there is no point of me saying, hey, I want to I wanna be at this point in the next few years, but right now I am here, which is okay, right? From A to B, have goals, and I know where you are right now, right? But make the move to go to there. Don't stay where you are. Who's most inspiring you on this journey so far? Who's that person that's most inspiring you? I have mentors. I have a lot of people that have really, and I, I, I want to say their names because I, I think it's important to really acknowledge the people that we've stood on their shoulders and that have elevated us. Chris Hall, he has been the mentor for me. Um, Chris Hall is a, a massive, massive help for me. He, during school time, actually, he, while, while I was at school, he, he would invite me to these business events and these leadership events. And I would just go, okay, after school, I got to make it here because this is important, right? And I didn't know it completely at the time, but you sit in these things and you just soak up things. You just soak up the information, right? You don't process it all, of course, but gradually, like everything else, gradually it comes in and goes, all right, you know what? This does make sense. This is what we've spoken about. This is what this person's spoken about. And my parents, of course, mom and dad, they've been a huge, huge elevator for me. They have been my motivators. And yeah, I don't get to tell them enough. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> we'll cut this clip out numerous times and send it to them, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, I think, I think they'll, they'll put this on their um, ringtone or something. Awesome. They're just like <laughs> me acknowledging. <laughs> Sounds fantastic, mate. Yeah. yeah. In regards to your mum and dad then, they must be fantastic people, I'm, I'm absolutely sure. What what was their driver for taking you and I think your seven brothers, other brothers and sisters out from Sudan to Australia? Just a, a better life. I think because my auntie and um, grandma was living here already as well in Australia, they were looking for opportunities for us to really spark and they felt that, you know, Sudan is not the right place for that. Egypt is kind of, but not the right place for that. So they came here and I am so grateful they did because I wouldn't have met and done all those things that, because, you know, it's opportunity-based. But you mentioned one of your, your mentors, Chris, and you, I'll get you to mention the, you wanted to mention a couple of others, but just in regards to that, what does Chris see in you? Like, why is he taking the time to work with you and help develop you and mentor Daniel Diallo? He told me himself. 
he sees himself in me when he was my age i was he was driven and he did a lot as well um and he showed me his material and he she's he really taught me the principle of think big start small move fast and you know it's good to have big goals danielle it's good have them have them as your map right but also don't forget to narrow it down and say okay what do we need to get done today and tomorrow and the next day and i could tell you right now and i could speak to you right now that you know goal setting you know the steps to do it and stuff like that but that's i i think that comes secondary the important thing is to really listen to the voices in our heads why do you think you can't do it what made you believe that you can't do it why if not you like who who can who can do that thing you can and it's okay to fail you know <laughs> hesitation kills more dreams than than failure ever did because you know you you have a goal and you go okay you know what i'm i'm going to I'm going to relax on it you know I'm going to I'm going to just see it out plan it out and I've interviewed holocaust survivors I've interviewed stolen generation members I've interviewed singers and artists right who have had that same moments and I've met people so talented that I was like keep going but fear is stopping them you know and they don't say it out loud of course it's fear um they just say I'm not in it right now if not now when then cuz you tell me you're not in it right now then tomorrow I ask you the same thing I'm not in it right now the next day I'm not in it right now so there is no right time to actually go for your dreams the right time was yesterday the next best right time is today right <laughs> so you got to really take the opportunity take initiative to go for it of course you'll fail i expect you to fail and it's okay to fail cuz you're learning you didn't know before but now you do now you can try better when you meet people you know people that see that see you heading in a particular direction and they want to help you all of a sudden and you wonder why does this person want to help me so much because they see and they feel your energy and they say you know what this person's going somewhere like you said at the start <laughs> you said you basically said that at the start you know why did you give me a chance because you see something absolutely who who are your other you, you mentioned that you had various mentors who are the other ones that you want to mention and why do you think it's important to have multiple mentors for you. The other mentors is uh Shelly Fillet. She's the author of The Dynamic Leader and she has been a huge huge mentor for me and I even in term in times of just me wondering okay I'm at this cross end of my life where do I go next? Where should I go? And cuz nobody can make decisions for you, right? You can make decisions for you. The only thing that you only do is you know you you can allow them to influence you but at the end of the day it's your choice it's your decision you have to call the shot so having people around you that have been in those situations before or are going through that or are going towards that goal right you if you ask them they would have a better understanding of where you're at right now than if you ask somebody that is not in the right field or not interested in where you're going. So that's why I think it's very very important to have mentors in your life and have multiple mentors because then you know you don't just get one perspective because one perspective is one scenario, right? Multiple people, multiple scenarios and then you can gauge an understanding of where to actually go on indication of what the right decision or right call is in that point in time. I want to ask you around 
the phrase on your LinkedIn profile and what you use, enjoy the journey. This is sort of where you, I don't think you've used the word that I've heard in the interview so far, but that phrase, enjoy the journey, why is that important to you? That's good. Good. I'm glad you asked that. You, <laughs> you've done, you've done some, some good research right there. While I was getting out of the defensive mode, I became very focused on the next thing, right? Let's do this. Let's go to this event, next event. Let's speak. Let's inspire. Let's do this. And it became just work, 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 work. That's all it was. I wasn't really enjoying I was good at it. I loved it, but I wasn't enjoying it, you know? And it wasn't really inspiring me anymore because I lost that, that spark, that enjoyment out of it. And learning to really be, to get the politics away from it. Because as you can tell, you know, once you get on the stage, there is the, the mic check, then there's people expecting you to deliver. And that's all well and done. But are you enjoying it? Are you enjoying the process? You know, part of that is people choosing a path that is not really for them. And they don't really get to talk to themselves about, are you really enjoying the journey? You know, did somebody pick this out for you? Did you see somebody else go through this and you were going with them just because they were going? Are you enjoying the journey? Because it's one thing to be doing amazing things. It's one to be great at doing those things. It's one thing to excel at them. But are you enjoying it? You only get one life. Are you enjoying it? Do you want to be later on 80, 90, 100, hopefully, and look into your, back into your life and say, you know what, I've done a lot, but I didn't really find much joy in it. Because that to me is the scary part. That to me is, is, is the life wasted. Did you enjoy it? Are you enjoying life so far? If not, what are the necessary steps that you need to take to change that? Let's go to the end of that journey, Danielle. So let's say you've reached 100, mate. You've made it to just over 100. You've got your letter <laughs> from the Queen and the Prime Minister and all sorts of people that you get when you're 100. So, but your journey's ended. Danielle's in the, in the box and you're looking back at yourself in this outer life thing. What do you hope to have achieved? What sort of impact did you want to have on the world? There is a message on my Facebook page right now of a lady a few years ago who was going through chemo for cancer. And while I was speaking, she was letting me know, hey, Danielle, this is, your stuff is great. You inspire the world. I want you to keep going. May God bless you. Is this the lady you did the ride for as well? No, no, no. This is, I don't, I don't speak about this at all because this is the external things, internal things. I, this lady had chemo, was going through chemo and she was sending me messages. Hey, keep going. You, you inspire the world. And at the time I didn't know she had chemo. Uh, she was going through chemo. She had cancer and she was just sending me these. And I was like, ah, oh, thank you. Just another person sending me a message telling me to, you know, keep going. And then she sent one really long one where it says, you know, you, you've inspired me. You've helped me through this cancer journey. And then a few days later, I get another message from a friend saying she's passed away. And that, that doesn't just, you can't dismiss that, you know, you can't just dismiss that. The, the impact you make, you don't necessarily see it sometimes. It's like putting seed in a garden, right? And then moving away from that garden, moving far away from that garden. You never get to know, you don't know. And it's like, think of a circle. You're in the circle. Think of a bigger circle inside that circle. And that circle is inside a bigger circle. 
and it just branches out. And when you speak, your voice and your message just goes off into the people that are listening might not tell you they're listening, but they're listening and they're thinking about what you're saying. And they're watching you and they're saying, hey, this person's been going on for a while. He's been going on for a while about this. Maybe I should listen. Maybe I should take that on. Maybe I should take the necessary steps. That's why I'm so driven to to really maintain this pace and maintain spark, I guess, because I want to live truth to truth. So help me, God. <laughs> it's like the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help <laughs> me, God. Because, yeah, it's just I, I, don't, I don't really want to feel regret. And I speak about regret a bit because it's more mostly it's mostly the it's mostly at the end. have you you felt regret before Brendan haven't you Absolutely Absolutely and it stinks Imagine feeling regret at an older age where you I guess can't move anymore can't change things that's going to stick around With that frame of regret what regret do you have around that experience you shared with the bullying and people calling you limpy I regret I guess, holding on to it for so long, uh, allowing it to impact me for so long, because I did, it is wasted time, but it's not, it's like, (laughs) I I don't like to say it's like the grieving process, but it's just, you know, when you get out of it, you get out of it. You know, there is no rush, but the sooner you do it, of course, the better. And it's made better by the people around us. When I interviewed William Harvey, a Holocaust survivor. This guy survived three Holocausts. And talking to him, just sitting around him, he was standing 97, and just sitting around him and asking him, how are you so upbeat about this? When you deliver the message, why don't you feel resentment? Why don't you feel anger, right? These people came into your home, stole everything, took everything, took you and your family, separated you. And he was telling me the story of how he stood in line with the sticker and the shaved head and, and just was going to separate lines. And I was like, how do you feel joy after this, after going through that? And he said, you can't hold on to that. You know, it's like poison. Absolutely like poison. Our interview will continue after this. An expression of gratitude or reciprocity, no matter how large or small, is an important part of a healthy culture and relationships. Our friends at Jangler have a great app that allows you to send a gift card with either a personal video, voice message, or funny gif. You can send it right away or schedule to send on the perfect day and time. So it can be something you set and forget. It's perfect for clients, employees, birthdays, and any celebration where you can't be there in person. It's quick, easy to send, and you can spend instantly in-store or online when you receive a card. Check it out at www dot jangler.com.au that's www.jangler.com.au taking that conversation and into your own life and and taking action on it may have just alluded to it i'm not sure i want to get some clarity around this but what is what's if you could take one thing from that conversation with william and to help improve yourself and impacting on your journey which is then impacting on others as you explain what would that one thing be it would be to just have a open mind when you're in a situation and you're in the situation it's easy to just be closed off and say this is all that it is this is the world that i'm living in now But if you start to reframe your mind 
right, to, to a position where it's opened. It allows other people to come in and other ideas to come in and other thoughts to come in as well. And it's just coming back to that lasagna thing. You open up your mind and to really affect you in, in a way that you never thought was possible in that situation. And that's the, the main thing that I took out of that conversation. He, was, he just said, I don't hold on to hate. I don't hold on to resentment. Not because I am some superhero that doesn't get affected by it. We all get affected by it. And it's okay when we get affected by it. But looking to resolve that gradually in the slow time, in the, in the long run, is the, the, the situation that we should be heading towards, looking to resolve it. It might not get resolved straight away, just like no one's an overnight success. I know you've heard about the overnight successors, right? Is there no such thing? There are- <laughs> <laughs> I just laugh. I laugh every time. I had an interview a while back with a student from Monash University who has gone towards like her medical degree and she's finished it and i was like fantastic what what's what's happening why are you here and she said i don't think i i want to want to do that anymore i don't think it's it's my it's my purpose right because what do we what do we get told you know find your purpose and then stick to it right stick to it hold on to dear life to it your purpose isn't your morals right your purpose is the thing that you want to do and that might change over time it will change because you discover new things, you meet new people, you go to new places, you grow, you learn, right? And so your purpose sort of shifts. I wanted to be a soccer player when I was younger. Now I'm a public speaker. Now I work with the Department of Health. Now I help out at the church. Now I'm a mom. Now I'm a dad, right? It's these little things that we've put on ourselves that, you know, we have to do this in the right, correct way. You don't. Just take it easy. Relax. But at the same time, head towards a better resolution being talking to yourself. Am I okay right now? Am I enjoying the journey? Because if not, that's, that's something to look into. For clarity's sake then, what is Daniel Diallo's current purpose? Daniel Diallo, this version of Daniel, his purpose is to help out the community while being invested into the arts. I don't know if you saw some of the stand-up comedies that I do. I might have. Um, <laughs> like, yes, yes. Um, and that that was, you know, public speaking is different to stand-up comedy in in the wider sense. Even though you're standing on stage both times and you're holding the mic both times, the expectation is different. In public speaking, you have a message in your head and the audience is there to really take on that message and be impacted in some way or shape or form. Right. But in, in the comedy, the audience is there primarily to laugh. And, you know, when they sit down, they're like, all right, make me laugh. I want to laugh. This is it. Tell a joke right now. <laughs> and it's a bit it's a bit like, oh, my goodness. OK, now I, I, I have to I have to say something funny. I have to say something good. And I wasn't sure that I, w- I could do that. So, you know why? Because I was like, I'm not I don't think I'm that good. You know, I don't think I don't think I want to make lasagna. I don't want to. But hearing that inner voice, I was like, you know what? We're doing it. Just because of that, we're doing it and we're seeing the outcome of it. Write a set. Just start being around comedians. Start looking for the chefs, right? Get the right tools. What do you need? Read the books. Do the work, right? And then first time on stage, hey, this, this is all right. This is not bad. Second time on stage, hey, I'm good at this. 
third time on stage, hey, I'm enjoying this. Oh my goodness, right? And it it just progresses on from there. But you got to do the work after you find out, you know, do you want to do this? And please, 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 I forget to say this always, evaluate at every point whether you're enjoying it. If you're not enjoying it, stop it immediately. Why was the stand-up comedy a challenge that you wanted to overcome? I have a, well, knowing my background, I, <laughs> I take things sometimes quite literally and too seriously. And I wanted to challenge that, you know, I can be funny. Why can you be funny, Daniel? Because I want to be funny. Because that's an, a, a skill set that I, I think I can master. And I don't think I, I have done it yet. And so just keep going forward, keep progressing forward, meeting new people who advances, advance those skill sets. Have you tried stand-up comedy? I haven't personally, although I am involved in Toastmasters. So we do a short section called Funny Bones. So I challenge myself from time to time to do it, but probably, not probably, definitely not enough, which is why I'm asking the question, why did you sort of want to take up and overcome that challenge? Yeah, because I was already a public speaker, right, represented as well. But I, I asked, what else? What else? What, what else is there? Right. I'm on stage most of the times and like, you know, holding the mic, talking to the people, inspiring them. And by the end, they go, oh, my goodness, well done. And then I walk off the stage. What else do I want? And so I started making mini skits in the public speaking that I do. And then I was like, you know what? How about I do one just all skits? How would that go? That changes the, the art form, doesn't it? Change it slightly from public speaking to comedy. And then I just held on to that, kept going, kept going. Because I, I don't really, if I'm in a field, I want the subsections of it as well. You know, public speaking, standing up, standing up and public speaking, it's great, but it's more motivational leadership, corporate hybrid. But when you change it to comedy, adding comedy to it, it changes the art form. And so I want to be not just a master of public speaking, but a master of the subsections of it. Nice, understand. Watching some of the stand-up comedy that you've done, and again, it was it was really interesting to me because I watched a number of sets, and there was a number of similarities, and it was it was easy for me, not being an expert in comedy at all, but to see where you've sort of started and then sort of getting to. But even through that journey, the audience, you can tell, you know, joke X one night, and you get. You know, pretty decent reaction, and then you can tell joke X another night, different audience, and it doesn't hit the mark. How do you cope with that? How do you balance that out whilst you're on stage? Because this is live stuff. Yeah, yeah. So in public speaking, normally when you say something, a message, and people go, "Yeah, that's right. That's that's true. That is very spot on. That's where I'm at right now in my life." You sort of like learn to keep that in the speaking, right? You sort of learn to, you know, okay, this is good. This is resonates with people and you keep it on for the next public speaking gigs. But for comedy, it's sort of like on the spot. If, if I say something that's not funny and I just get quiet, I either go, oh my goodness, tough crowd. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then I make light of that because I can't really move on to it. Like, you know, say this joke and then that joke, and then that joke, and then that joke. It has to flow in a way that makes it more of a conversation. And it's difficult for sure. That's why I guess 
not many not many venture into it because it it is it is very scary when you're on stage and expecting people to laugh at your stuff but then nobody laughs and then you're like oh man this sucks i spent so much time on this i put work into this but that's the failing part isn't it that is that is the failing part and it's it's a good i love the journey that's why i'm still in it i'm like okay this works and one joke that might work here in this venue might not work in this venue so you're like huh why full house laughed here why didn't they laugh there and you just delve into that part of that is just asking hey even when they laugh if um when they don't when they don't laugh on on stage you ask like what live on stage you say a joke and nobody laughs you just point to the audience hey i felt like you should have laughed <laughs> and that, that that generally gets a laugh from the majority that's just being really good at improvisation on thinking on the spot and really yeah yeah improv uh, definitely a great skill to have and i can see where that stand up comedy really helps to accelerate that i guess it goes back before you mentioned that evaluate process always evaluating and to me nothing better than well, I don't think there's much better than stand-up comedy. You're getting that instant feedback, so you're able to evaluate that in the moment. So it's a, you know, again, once again, mate, you're putting yourself out there. You're actually doing stuff. There's no excuses. You're not scared to try stuff. One of the things I need to ask you, though, because this appealed to my weird sense of humour to some point, but you talk about hating small talk on set, and then you go on. Why don't people just come out and you said, said, "Hey, how you going? How you going? Yeah, I'm well. I'm you know all this sort of stuff." Say, so, "Hey, if you're in witness protection, what name would you choose?" So that was quite funny to me uh, in that moment. But now I'm interested to know if you were in witness protection, what name would you choose and why? My name, it would be, it would constantly change. The reason, <laughs> the reason being to keep people guessing what is his actual name. And so that, that would be, that would be my answer. <laughs> what would you start with? I would start with something, I would start with something mundane, like, like Daryl, right? Or David, and then go into like, you know, Rondi or something, you know, Randy. Just, <laughs> just, just keep constantly changing. And yeah, that's the that set I did was on small talk, and it was just I I get not bored, but it's more just conversations. I feel they they have to be should be interesting, you know. At times, it's good for me to say, "Hey, Brennan, how are you?" And you say, "Good," you know. And then I say, and you ask me the same thing. Good as well. Awesome. Fantastic. What did you do this week? What was your highlight this week? Where's this place that you can recommend, right? I'm looking to do this. Can this, can you say something about it, right? It's more just ebb and flowy rather than, because we're so stuck on, hey, how are you? Good, good. And then that's it. That's where we stop, right? So it's more just make conversation, really invest in the person that you're in, converse, uh, talking to, invest in them. Because they definitely know something that you don't. And it's a learning experience once you really invest into them. And I feel that, you know, the, hey, how are you? Good, fine, dandy talk is just to keep people just there. <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly anyone interested going to your Facebook page and we'll put all of the contact details in our show notes anyway, but get on your Facebook page, check out some of the videos you do and some of the sets. So again, there is a, there's some good laughs there. So well, well done, mate, on what you're doing there. I want to go on to breaking down stereotypes because that's that was a title of the talk, the TEDx talk that you did uh, in TEDx Casey. 
So once again, congratulations on that process and, and getting an opportunity to do that. It was a really fantastic talk. I found it really good. Breaking down stereotypes. What stereotypes are you breaking down? Breaking down stereotypes. That topic was dear to my heart. Um, still is. It's more multicultural. Multiculturalism in Australia and the integration process of it all. I didn't mention this, but it was with the education system at the time as well and the media. And so I, at the time, they were, the media was reporting, you know, Sudanese men, Sudanese boys, Sudanese gangs, robbing, stealing, doing this. And there was no other side to the story. Sudanese men, Sudanese boy, Sudanese groups have started this initiatives, have, have sparked creativity. Have, so there was, there was only that, that one negative side, you know? And so I, I couldn't stand for it because I have little siblings that will grow up in this world, right? And I didn't want them to see that. Is this it? Is this all that was recorded about us? So I want to be that positive aspect of, okay, these guys are doing this, but this guy is doing this as well, you know? So it's more that balance. and. The reporting of it was was one big part. And yeah, that was the part that I wanted to break down. And how do you feel you're progressing on that journey? So far, I feel that the people based on the people I've met, based on the amount of work, I mean, I guess it's that garden and the seed again, you know, <laughs> I can only do so much and I can only speak so much. But at the end of the day, I'm giving out messages. I am telling people, you, you've got this. You are a beautiful human being. Don't let people, really anybody, tell you otherwise. And it's, for me, I struggle when somebody has a goal in life and somebody else comes and shuts that goal down without them having to try it on. Because then I'm sitting here wondering, why? Why didn't that person progress forward with their goal anyways? Why did they listen to that, you know? And I feel that in the African community, there's a lot of passion. There's a lot of creativity. There's a lot of joy to be had, right? But we are right now still very, very stagnant, still very hesitant. And moving forward, it's just keep on going, keep on going. Part of that, my work in multicultural youth support services, I worked there for a bit. And part of that is just working to help out the African community in the education system as well with their homework so they can actually finish year 12, right? Or they finish schooling to a standard grading. And it is hard, Brendan, because let's say six years old, seven years old, oof, let's say 13 years old, actually, spoke English his whole life. English his whole life. Knows the system backwards and forwards, right? And still learning, of course, but spoke it for his whole life. And then we get somebody else that has never spoke English before. You put them in the same year level, expect them to do the same amount of work in the same amount of time. What, what's the expected result? How do you expect a person to cope like that? It's a completely cultural shock, system shock. And so getting support for those people that have come from different places, because we all, we're all from different places, but from different places that haven't spoken the language before or experienced the culture. That was the work where I felt that I was being more impactful as well. So see it again seeds. <laughs> a big part of leadership in my books is about elevating others. And 
setting others up for success. You've just sort of linked to that in my mind. How do you moving forward in this life from now, 19 years of age through to that 100 mark plus that we're going to get to, how do you help elevate others? What do you do? What will you do to elevate others? Well, I think first and foremost, the most important thing for me to stay true to myself. And part of the reason I like public speaking as well is if you stay, if you come up and speak and you say something that is, you know, hip and cool, so others could like you, right? People will pick that up because it's not authentic. It's not you, right? And staying honest to yourself, others will see that that you you will automatically radiate because you're speaking your language. You're comfortable in your skin, right? Others will feel that and they, they will really, really want to, to know more and really get into it as well, <laughs> so to speak. But just staying authentic to yourself is the thing that I'm planning to do. Because then from there, anything I say, every step I take, it's, it's with purpose. I'm meaning to do it. Even if I, I, I misstep, right? And it's, it's going to happen a lot. But I'll re- redirect myself and I'll be honest about my mistakes. I'm not ashamed of it, right? But being honest to myself first is the first step. And just to speak as well about somebody that I forgot to speak about. And I know I'm going to get going to get hurt later on <laughs> for not speaking about this person is the Bible. Jesus. Honestly, I don't know where I would be right now without his help. He has been a huge, and I said as well before, I do stuff at the church right now, uh, community um, events we're planning and stuff like that. It's thank you to him, right? At times where I was down, at times where I was very much confused, I just ask, hey, where do you want me to go right now? Where do you feel I need to be? And to listen and to listen really, really. Because we have, you know, we have this habit of asking questions and not listening for answers, right? And so I'm asking you questions, lots of questions. Oh my goodness. Brandon, answer me this. And toddlers love this. Answer this, answer that, answer this. But are we listening for the answers? Are we taking on the answers? And are we moving accordingly? That's the, what worked for me. I don't know about you. I can't speak for you. And that's the honesty part, right? But I know that what's worked for me is that Jesus, <laughs> I say his name, and that I am authentic to myself, honest to myself. And then, yeah, it just, I guess it shows <laughs> in, in the stuff I do. And I'm, that's, that's where I'm hoping to be, to keep moving towards. Because once I lose touch with myself, that's it. I've lost, why am I doing this, right? Who am I doing this for? A friend of mine runs a business, her name's Julie Watson, and her business is called Stronger Than My Excuses. And I thought of her and what she does when I was learning and researching more about what you do. One of the things she talks about a lot is being positive versus being confident. She used to be positive but not confident, but she's learned that positivity doesn't take you places, confidence takes you places. And you've got confidence, there's no doubt, which is fantastic. There's not an air of um, arrogance. It's just a a strong self-confidence there. How has faith and your belief helped you in developing confidence, if if at all? It has significantly, significantly. For me, coming to terms with it was the thing I avoided because my parents are Christians as well. And I was, you know, going younger, going to church, getting dressed, hearing the pastor speak, I'm like, ah, oh, when is this ending so I can go to lunch, go to meet my friends, 
and I didn't really care much about it. But then when life hits you, you know, life, <laughs> you you tend to to see things differently. What I mean by that is when, and I've been a youth leader, by the way, youth leader at churches, but the point where I was at at the moment was that defensive aspect and learning to really open up to others was, you know, Jesus came here to die. I'm not trying to preach to you guys, but Jesus, <laughs> Jesus came here to die for your sins, right? Now, he didn't die in vain. He didn't die so we can, you know, live in shame. He didn't die so we can live in arrogance, so to speak. He didn't die so you can still be chained up, right? So when you move, move with purpose because somebody loves you, right? You're made in his image. That's what the scripture says. We're all made in his image. So you don't need others' validation, so to speak, to make you happy because somebody already loves you. So why would you bother? And just knowing that is one thing, right? But really experiencing it is another. And I have been blessed enough to really know him from a young age because of my parents, but really experience him at a later stage and still now. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, mate. And again, it's, I guess the thing I want to speak broadly around really briefly is that a big part of leadership, again, in the work that I'm doing and, and my humble understanding of leadership is actually just being clear on what you stand for and and your beliefs and your values. So whether that's faith driven, whether that's sort of other things driven, but just having that clarity. And, and for you at, at such young age, 19, I certainly didn't have that level of direction at that age. So once again, well well done on what you're, what you're doing and how certain things are helping driving you forward. Mate, I know we've got to be, again, conscious of time uh, for you. I just want to start to move down the closing up path. And I'm really interested in what you have to say here about leadership impact and what or who has had the greatest impact on your 19-year leadership journey at the moment. Leadership is that – it's the buzzword at the moment – because everybody, you know, I, I'm a leader. You know what? I've, I've done this, 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 this. So I'm a leader. But what about the mom? You know, what about, what about the dad? They're leading. What about the small, you know, <laughs> small business owner, so to speak? What about your friend next door? They're, they're leaders, right? They might not be an out there leader, but they're leading in their own way. Leadership, the best definition I've ever found of leadership is that leadership is the ability and the willingness to influence others towards a goal, right? And so when I get up there and I speak, I getting others to follow me, so to speak, is not really my my aim or my goal. Nor do I want that, right? I don't I don't really want that, so to speak. But I do want them to take on what I have to say or consider it to a certain extent and apply it to their life and just try it. See if it works. Awesome, great. If it doesn't. Danielle's full of crap and he was lying to me all this time. But yeah, it's just leadership is one of those things that I can't really, who, who in the Bible, if I can ask you, who in the Bible wanted to be a leader? Nobody. When they're picked, when Moses is picked to lead his people out of Egypt, what did he say to God? He's like, hey, I, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> Could you imagine if you're talking to, to God for a minute, just, <laughs> just, just speaking to God is like, Hey, you got to do this. He gives you instructions. Do it. No, I don't want to. And then he goes, oh, okay. Um, I told you to do it. I don't, I don't want to. I, I, I stutter. That's, that's one of his excuses. 
his excuses was, oh, I stutter. I'm not good in communications. I, I can't really inspire people to do things, right? That was his excuses. He was left in that box of what's limiting to him, not knowing that his creator was actually above. He knows best. He knows him. Scripture says that, you know, God knows you before you were born. And so he's here making excuses. God's calling him for a greater purpose to lead people out of Egypt, out of the uh, Pharaoh's captures, uh, captured. And he was saying, you know what, I can't do it. Call my brother, tell him to tell him to get somebody else, get somebody else. To do it. Why am I being called to this? Get somebody else. God told him, hey, I know that you are like this and I accept you. It's okay, right? And as the story goes, he let the people out of Egypt. But those, those initial conversations that we have with ourselves, firstly, when we have a goal, when we have a purpose in mind, right? Those, those start points where, okay, I got an idea, but I don't think I can do it. So I'm not going to do it because I think it's going to fail. And I don't think anybody would care. And I don't think I can really influence people. I don't think I'm a leader. I don't think... I, I, I think I'm just making a fool of myself. I don't think I'm really worth it, right? And so moving forward, you start to, to shrink yourself even more. But if you say, okay, I've got this, I'm going to try this. And I know I'm not going to influence a lot of the people, but I can influence the person next door. I can influence my friend. Instead of going to parties every night and every day and really wondering on Monday, oh my goodness, I've got, I've got nothing in my bank account. Why don't you start to go out less and, and really influence your friends as well? Say, you know what? Hey, how about we meet at my place today or meet at your place instead of going out, right? How about we go to the gym today instead of really going out to parties? How about we start reading books? How about we meet people? How about we go to this seminar? How about we go to this webinar, right? Start small. You're, you're super impactful. Start small. You're thinking too big. Start small. And gradually, it will grow, gradually. Because, you know, I'm not, I, ke I keep saying and I keep telling people this, I know I'm not going to make it immediately. It's never going to happen. Let go of that. But I will make it, absolutely and definitely. I like it, mate, this growing the greatness within you and the confidence around growing the greatness and taking the action and the steps to grow that greatness. It's fantastic to see. And I look forward to seeing what that journey brings and the enjoyment that the journey brings you and the enjoyment. Can you tell? Look at this. I'm getting, I'm getting like, because I, when I speak, I'm, I, if I don't feel it, I, it's not me, you know, and I'm getting like really emotional right now because I'm like, oh my goodness, this is. <sighs> I certainly see that, mate. And maybe let me lighten the mood for you a little bit because <laughs> I, I wonder if this, Wiseness in such a young man comes from not sleeping with a pillow because apparently that's a weird thing about you. <laughs> no, it does. I've heard of that before. And do you and sleep with a pillow now? Or you pillow. still don't like sleeping with a pillow? I, I never used to. I never used to like to. It just felt weird, and like the neck and head was elevated, and it gets hot as well. And I was like, you know, just get rid of the pillow. But now, now I do. <laughs> Good on you, mate. I don't know how I could sleep without a pillow, to be honest. But, mate, look, it's... I don't know how you'd know that. It's just... <laughs> well, it was mentioned on a podcast you did some time back. So, I watched it and uh, it appealed to me. So, I thought if the opportunity came up, why not raise it? Yeah, good, good, good. Good thing you raised it. 
massive thank you for coming on the Culture Things podcast. Once again, your wisdom is beyond your years, definitely. And again, if, if it is about not sleeping with a pillow, then I think I need to start not sleeping with a pillow. Uh, that will help me a lot. But uh, as I said before, Mark, I really, really look forward to seeing this journey you're on. Hopefully, we'll get to meet face-to-face at some point. But you know, watching you and, and seeing you grow this greatness and having the confidence to develop this greatness within you, uh, which I know you've said it before in, in your talk and, and some of the episodes, some of the podcasts you've done is it's within everybody. It's within our unique greatnesses within each of us. So having the confidence to to do that, to grow that, develop it and to take steps and and to put excuses behind you. So once again, mate, thanks for being a guest on the Culture of Things podcast. I appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Leadership is the ability and willingness to influence others towards a goal. This is a definition of leadership that most resonates with Daniel. Given his involvement as a youth leader, his focus on mastering the many aspects of public speaking, and his journey to break down stereotypes about the Sudanese community, I would say he's doing everything he can to live out his preferred definition of leadership. As he mentioned, he won't make it immediately, but he will make it eventually. These were my three key takeaways from my conversation with Danielle. My first key takeaway, leaders try new things. They don't let fear hold them back from learning something new. If they want to learn something, they understand there's a process involved to learn it. And there is another level of discipline needed if they want to master it. Either way, having the courage to overcome any fear of learning something is how the best leaders try new things. My second key takeaway Leaders understand the value of mentors. They know that great mentors will provide guidance and emotional support. A great mentor will also provide motivation to help you achieve and is a role model to look up to. Surround yourself with the right people who inspire you and who are in the environment you want to get to. If you have this mentorship in place, you are a leader who understands the value of mentors. My third key takeaway Leaders enjoy the journey. If you're on a path that isn't for you, make a choice. Either choose to enjoy it or choose to leave and do something you will enjoy. Don't choose to live with regret. Life's too short for that. Find something you'll enjoy and take the steps to make it happen. Leaders make the choice to enjoy the journey. So in summary, my three key takeaways were leaders try new things. Leaders understand the value of mentors and leaders enjoy the journey. If you want to talk culture, leadership or teamwork or have any questions or feedback about the episode, leave me a comment on the socials or you can leave me a message at thecultureofthings.com. Thanks for joining me and remember, the best outcome is on the other side of a genuine conversation. Thank you for listening to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. Please visit brendanrogers.com.au to access the show notes. If you love the Culture of Things podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on Apple Podcasts. And remember, a healthy culture is your competitive advantage.